still blows me away that God would come on earth and then look you in the face and says, you know, I've come down from heaven. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And then God himself explains in human words, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he doesn't go into these descriptors. It's more concepts. But we're well on our way in this. And in the first group that we looked in Matthew chapter 13, if you remember, this is what the kingdom is like. And then it describes the type of people you will find in the kingdom. If you're this type of person, you're probably a citizen in the kingdom. Then we moved into chapters like 18 and 20 through Matthew, and now it's changed. Now we're talking about this is what the kingdom is like, and now we're into the economy of the kingdom. This is the currency it runs on. This is the dollar value, if you will. And last week, or the last uh, session we had, we looked at compassion. The kingdom of heaven doesn't run on cold cash. It runs on compassion, runs on love. We're going to find something else in the economy this uh, today. And uh, just kind of per our routine, during the word webcast, we go into the details. This is, this is what the Bible is saying in details of uh, what the parable is all about. Because if we don't know where Jesus is coming from, how can you ever apply it to your life? You don't know what was said in the first place. So uh, that's what the, uh, the webcast was all about. You can catch that. But just to give you a summary in case you haven't, here's where we ended up uh, with the conclusions on it. Peter asked if uh, a disciple of Christ must forgive basically twice as much as the rabbis have taught them to do. To which Jesus replies, uh, no, you have to forgive all the time without exception. And then Jesus goes into a story of which the kingdom of heaven is like. A servant owes a king ten times the annual budget of the Roman Empire. Well, that's not quite how it's written. No, but that's what it really means if you calculate it out. Once again, details. Something that no person has ever owed in ancient times. And in his compassion, the king forgives this entire debt. And the man leaves the king's court uh, free and much relieved. He comes upon another servant who owes him a billionth of what he owed. Uh, and he lays down the full weight of the law on this poor uh, servant, this, uh, this other guy, and puts his whole family into debtor's prison. And then the king finds out and revokes uh, the original forgiveness because this servant for what he has done. So he ends up in prison as well. Moral of the story, the kingdom of heaven is like the king's forgiveness. Unless we practice forgiveness like the king, you don't get in the kingdom. See where he was going. Uh, and that's how important it is to forgive, uh, personal forgiveness. And we're not just talking little things, we're talking God-level forgiveness. It needs to be part of our life, part of our instinct, if you will. So let this sink in just a little bit. We go on about belief and we go on about faith. But if you look into how the New Testament speaks, <coughs> excuse me, Forgiveness 
is as important as belief and faith. If you want to be a citizen in God's kingdom, forgiveness, according to Jesus himself, is as important as belief and faith. It's embedded all through the New Testament. No forgiveness equals no uh, being right with God. So why is it so important? By definition, the kingdom of God is a collection of those who are like God. That's what it makes the kingdom of God, is people who are filled with God. Unforgiveness is the opposite of God, so what would you be doing there if you can't forgive? So let's flesh out two important questions. By God's definition, not by ours, but by God's definition, one, what is forgiveness anyway? What is forgiveness? And two is, what is forgiveness not? Mythbusters. What is forgiveness not? We'll start with the second question. What is biblically based forgiveness not? Well, it's not diminishing or denying a wrong that's been done. You know, Christianity is founded on truth. It's all about truth. If there's no truth, it's not worth anything. So pretending an offense wasn't significant is not true. Pretending it didn't hurt is not true. Pretending something might have even been devastating or denying that is not true. Stuffing down the damage emotionally, it's, um, it's like shrapnel in a wound, isn't it? It just festers, it just gets infected. Truth. You may as well be true about it. Forgiveness doesn't trivialize or deny the damage, it faces it. That's what biblical forgiveness does. And it's not forgetting. Now this is kind of a little tough maybe for uh, people who study scripture. They go, well Isaiah 43:25 or Psalm 103, it talks about God forgetting and removing our sins as far as the east is from the west. So sounds pretty forgotten to me. Well, we've got to remember the Old Testament is based on law, forgiveness and law tied together. So yes, God as the high judge forgets your sin under the law, but not as a person. The person of God remembers everything. And in the New Testament, there's this interesting shift in language. It moves away from this idea of forgetting to forgiving and cleansing. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he doesn't say he forgets them. It says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. New Testament, God within, fulfillment of the old. God doesn't forget, he cleanses. He cleanses. Forgiving is a type of godly cleansing. We move on from wrongs, but it's not really healthy to forget. Let's, let's do a pop psychology quiz, see how you do with this. You go through a trauma, and you can't remember what happens. You've completely, your mind has just locked it out, and you go to a psychologist or 
a counselor or whatever, what's going to be the strategy they take? They're going to draw it out, right, Pam? They're going to, because they can't heal until they find this healthy way to bring it out. You have to remember and then face it. Well, you know what? God is the ultimate counselor, and he realizes this. So in the forgiving, it's not a case of forgetting. It's a case of facing. And there's another reason it's important. is It's because in lessons learned, we are told that when we go out into the world as Christians, that it's filled with wolves. And we are to be innocent as doves, but what else? Wise as serpents. Wise is sometimes through the school of hard knocks, isn't it? Holy Spirit and hard knocks. <laughs> the fact is, is that if we don't learn from things we go through, so we don't want to forget, we want to forgive, but we want to learn. We want to get discernment. So forgiveness doesn't forget. It learns, it cleanses. Biblical forgiveness isn't instant. It's not a switch you click. Oh, you just did me this terrible wrong, no problem, click, yeah, forgiven. It doesn't work that way, does it? Now with serious offenses, there's a, we work through them. Forgiveness isn't about what's fair. Oh man, if you only forgive what's fair, you probably won't be forgiving much, will you? As long as people are people, all of us, limited, misunderstanding, self-centered, sinful, make mistakes, bent to malice, all the things that can go into being unfair. If we only forgive when something is fair, we very seldom will forgive. And well, that could be a real problem because we just learned we have to forgive without exception. So whatever this biblical exception is, there is, or biblical forgiveness is, there is no exception. So fairness, now life, as we say, life isn't fair most of the time. So forgiveness needs to be something else. Especially if you look at the parable and you understand the parable we're working from, this is some really big stuff really tough stuff. That's the stuff we forgive without exception. Okay, so what is biblical forgiveness? Well, forgiveness for starts is about real offenses, real offenses that are going on. Jesus explains God's forgiveness almost, almost exclusively with a financial term. Isn't that kind of strange? He uses a financial term to explain forgiveness. And God's uh, obviously not worried about money. He, he owns everything, so he's not worried about money. So why does he use this financial term? The word Jesus used several times in that original Greek means to let go. Okay, we can see that. But to give up a debt. The parable is all about what was owed in financial terms, to keep no longer. And Jesus uses the same Greek word, this financial term, in two other significant places that you would know. The Lord's Prayer. Depending on how you learned it, in Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts, and some of us say trespasses, 
Uh, some of us say sins, kind of lets you know where you're coming from. But all of us, all those words you're using come from the same Greek word. And the Greek word is, fits in a financial term, like to forgive a debt, to forgive a loan. Same word. Are you worried about money per se in the Lord's Prayer? No, it's something else, but we're using the term. When Jesus is on the cross and he's being taunted by everyone, if you're the Messiah, come down off that cross and he says, forgive